Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Scriptures at you. I'm going to try and prove something this morning that God knows you. You in for that? You got your Bibles? Got your B-I-B-L-E's? You got your your uh, iPads? One, two, or three? You got your laptops? I don't know how you're doing this stuff. How you? Some people have got the the ancient manuscripts, the the paper the the, the paper bound Bible version. Some people are desperately writing notes. Some or others are on iPhones. That's good. I love iPhone. And uh, and whatever, how you ever do this, because get ready. I've got some scriptures for you this morning. One of the, one of the things I've got to explain to you is this, that God is a very personal, personable God, personable God. And you've got to understand this. He knows every hair on your head, Jessica. He knows every hair. He knows every thought. I'm going to tease something out to prove something. This is the, the thought I had to preface what I want to say. That, and this is something personal to me. Last year, I was extremely under the pump with the finances of the church. You know that. We had an emergency meeting. We had to raise seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000. And uh, I didn't think it was possible, man, but we did it. Praise God for the people that gave to that. In that time of praying and walking that out, I'm a, I love to walk through the bush and pray. Uh, I'm hooked up with my iPhone, my worship music, and, um, and I'm just praying to God. You know when you just got to pray and you just can't do anything else, but nothing appeases this grave condition that you are in. Maybe it's a loved one sick. Maybe it's a situation where your business is going belly up. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's your child gone astray from God. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've just found out you're terminally sick. I don't know what it is, but somehow, whatever it is, it drives you to prayer. It drives you to really go to prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you are desperate, man, when you are totally unhinged, unfurled, unraveled, that you are just gone, you, you are not yourself, you are desperate, you are absolutely undone, say undone. That's how I was last year, a lot last year, believe it or not, although, you know, praise God, the Bible says preach in and out of season, because if I preached in the seasons I was in, you would have looked you would have been seeing quite a, a messy condition of a, of a preacher. But I believe, you know, about keeping up appearances. And um, I believe that we're not to sort of air our dirty washing everywhere. But we've got to be real with God and real with ourselves and real with other people. But at the same time, there's a time when you've got to stand up and deliver. You know what I'm saying? And so I did that all last year. But I'm saying again, I was desperate and I was praying. I was just, oh man, I prayed every prayer every formula, this way I prayed, that way. In the end, I was just absolutely, absolutely brought to my knees virtually. And, um, you know, and there's this saying, weighed, measured and wanting, you know. And I think I was weighed, measured and found very wanting in regard to where I was at with God, although for all these years I've done so well, but I'd put this church out on a limb. That's where the fruit is, praise God. Amen. <laughs> and um, and I put myself out on a further limb and, 
and I did that deliberately. I thought about it. It wasn't irrational. It wasn't reckless. It was something that God asked me to do was birth this church, become a, a minister of God. I, it was all rational. You know, I, I prayed and thought and went to the word of God and I got it, you know, got this distinct fact that the Oldfield family were called into ministry and that we were to birth a church in Wyal. Do you know what I'm saying? And nothing was going to stop that. Once we heard that, I laid everything down. I just, in fact, finished these major studies at, at uni, at college, and and uh, and it was to naught. I still haven't used any of that because right at the end of that, God called me. And God called me into ministry. But I had to know God personally. And that began in 93 when we had an encounter with God. Julie and I, with the golden family of the church, we would turn up every Sunday and we would give our tithe and Julie had a, a great dance um, ministry that would reach out, evangelize, do the shopping centers and the Youth Alive events and whatever. And uh, we thought we'd had just a happy existence and we were doing our bit for God, but God was up in the ante and he wanted more of us. He was asking us, you know, plenty has been given to you, now I want plenty back almost. And we knew what that meant for us. So we, we definitely began a journey back in 93 to answer this personable call to us. The only way I can see how I've survived all these years through what God has asked us to do, which has been quite dramatic, even through all the crises of faith, um, I believe it's all been because of grace. Grace has, uh, by the grace of God, go I. Uh, it's only because of that water that held somehow supernaturally Peter up that Peter was able to walk towards Jesus and as he had faith he continued to walk because he was so close to the proximity of Jesus Jesus was personable you know if you're close to Jesus you can do anything you distance yourself from from Jesus you start looking at the waves and the weather and Peter began to sink sink do you know what I'm saying so it's all about keeping in very close proximity of what you know, what Jesus can do in your life. And, and that's called the presence of God. I don't want anyone, okay, here it is. I don't want anyone in this church in these last days to be weighed, measured and found wanting. And that's exactly what will happen in these days. The Bible says in the last days there would be perilous times. What's perilous times? Well, I heard Derek Prince say this, that perilous times would be stressful times. Stressful times. Can you see that? A lot of people stressed out, man, I'm telling you. They're on medication, they're, they're having hissy fits and they're slamming car doors and they're even doing worse than that. Um, yeah, as a minister, uh, I'm, I'm saying to you, you've got to understand that God is wanting to be so personal with you that he knows every single thing that you're going through. And... You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer of taking everything to the Lord, petitioning the Lord with everything that I'm going through. I'm a huge believer of that, and I actually do it daily. I take everything to Him and verbalize it. But as I said last year, I was doing that on such a regular occurrence. It was ridiculous. I, in fact, in the end, had to say, God, you must know all this stuff. You, you man, I've told you so many times. He's going... You told me that, you told me that, you told me that, you told me. I could almost see him doing that. And, um, and so eventually I found myself being quiet on my prayer walks. Now I'm being quiet and just trying to hear him 
just trying to get some buoyancy, equilibrium of faith, hope and love in him, and, and just w- walk this out in his presence. So I, I want to speak a little bit about that, and I want to speak to someone who is in the house and people in the house that are going through the trial of life, the boot camp of planet Earth. Earth is boot camp for heaven. Don't get upset with the trials and challenges. Because if you're not going through that, you're going to stay like a little infant. Let your kid learn a lesson. If the dog gets run over, I heard yesterday, let the kid get sad and grieve. Don't buy him a dog straight up. Say, I'll buy your dog. Here's another dog. Don't do that. God's trying to train us up. Let People need to own their sin too, I heard. When people sin, you know, don't bail them out. Oh, God's full of grace and he wants to love you and bless Yeah, he does, but they're, they're, they're gonna, that's going to cost that sin. That bad choice is going to cost. You've got to go back to your wife and apologize. You've got to fix that up, fix that up. Let them wallow in that for a little while because you'll learn from that. Don't bail the kid out too readily. Let them be sad about the dog that got run over because that all builds in you something of character. Is that good? That's a freebie. I just got that on the run. So, <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> the Bible says, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What does that mean? Wow. That means when you're going through the trial of life, the persecutions, the insults, the, the, you know, the, the storms of life, if you are leaning into God, you can feel His power and you can feel, obviously, being made buoyant in Him. That you're not sinking into the stormy seas of your life, but actually you're beginning to walk on water. You go, man, it's all breaking out. The hell's breaking out all around me. But you know what? Man, I just don't know what it is, but I'm walking on water and I can see Jesus. And you know what? He's going to still that storm anyhow. So I love that scripture and I just love it. That whatever the world can throw at you, you're going to survive. I believe you're going to even thrive in grace. Amen. You've got to basically know this. The, uh, grace is this, the unmerited favor of God towards men. It's, now listen to this. It's God's activity by His Spirit. His Spirit. Very important to, you know, to appropriate God by the Spirit. You can't do it just mentally. You can't just do it mental ascension to God. You've got to receive it into your heart. Your heart is a key, key deal of receiving God. We receive God by His Spirit and His truth and His love. His love being this. Now, one of the main ingredients of grace, what is grace? So it's okay to say grace, but what is grace that is coming towards you and around you and for you and upon you, favoring you, in fact? It's like an open heaven over your life consistently because you're born again now. You're a child of God. What is grace? I like to know. Who's a bit like me? I like to know sort of logically, what is grace? And it's God's undeserved, unmerited favor towards me. But what actually is it? Well, the main attribute of God is love. Love. And the main, one of the main ingredients of grace is love coming to you. Do you know what I'm saying? 
And when I looked at this, love comes to us like this, in mercy and grace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and knowledge. Now, when I came to knowledge, I went, oh my goodness, knowledge. What does that mean? Does it mean what I think it means? Does he have a knowledge of me, my world, my condition, my situation, my circumstance, my challenges, my trials, my stuff? Does he, in fact, as the Bible says, know every hair on my head? Does he? Do you believe that he does? Do you believe actually he knows everything about you, every dollar you sow, every prayer you say, everything you do, everything you don't do? Well, he does. God is a personal God. God loves you and created you to know him personally. This is one major fact for an unsaved person to realize. They say that we know the scripture in John 3.16, a most profound scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But they, I, I've heard this quoted um, previous that, that even if it was just you on the planet, Jesus would have done the same. That's got to be personal. That's absolutely got to be personal. God's plan, John 17, verse 3. What's his plan? Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's a personal invitation of our God to you. So get, we've got to get out of this idea of religion, that religion is all this contrived, premeditated behavior and systems and processes that we come to which could be represented in the church and that in that as we oblige that and subscribe to that that then we are able to maybe reach God know God love God no it's you and him it's you and him without anything it's you being brutally honest with him. That's what salvation is, being born again. It's nothing. It's not your this. It's not your that. It's not any discipline, whatever. It's you and him going face to face like that. that, that that's exactly what it is. But, but hang on, Jesus, I've, got, I've done some studies here. Got up in the morning and got my devotion. and Forget that. That's good. But I'm here now. I am the truth. I am the way, I am the life. This is an affront to some people. Actually, some people want religion to give them distance from this God who can become so personable, it can be frightening. Do you believe that? I believe there would be even people come to this type of church, which is rocking all over the world, uh, that say, look, I, that's great, but I, I, I actually can't do that. What do you mean? It, it's just too close and personal. It's just too close and personal. I actually Look, I want to know about God, but I don't want to be that personal with Him. I'm actually a little, you know, a little bit afraid of Him and whatever. 
Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. This is for saved people, by the way. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Wow, that's got to be very personable. Psalm 139 says, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Say, you know me. Verse 2, you know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Oh, 39 verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in before behind and before you have laid your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain where can i go from your spirit where can i flee from your presence david is describing the omnipresence of god for you have created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in the secret place when i was woven together in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be psalm 139 verse 17 continuing how precious to me are your thoughts O god how vast is the sum of them if we only knew the thoughts of god towards us individually oh he's got great thoughts towards c3 no he's got great thoughts towards you towards you towards you great thoughts towards you personal exact detailed intimate thoughts towards you where i count them they would outnumber the grains of sand when i awake i'm still with you of course we said last week we referred to the encounter with moses on mount sinai and i, I can't read all this but Basically, in Exodus 33, verse 13, you are pleased with me. Teach me your ways. This is Moses on Mount Sinai. He's going to receive the the tablets, the word of God, the the Ten Commandments, but he's having this full-blown encounter with God. Everyone needs that. And he says, teach me your ways. I mean, who wants to know more about God? Teach me your ways, God. Look, this is great. We're worshiping you and you're all for me and I love you, man. But it would be like having this loved one, you know, saying, man, I'm just so for you. I love you. Man, I just want to see you here. But who are you, man? Can you? And you just get this love letter every day. I'm so for you. I love you. I bless you. I paid a price for you. But, man, I'm digging this. But who are you, you know? What are you about? What do you look like, you know? What's your ways like? Uh, What do you like to eat? I mean, why? You know, you want to you want to know about your loved one, don't you? You know, you want to know about this person that is infatuated with you. You want to know about this person that's madly, don't you? Don't you? Do you want to know more about God? Show me your ways. Show me your ways, because I've got some friends that need need what I got. But man, I want to know more about you, so I can speak more about you and give you away in a most profound way. Show me your ways. I may know you and continue to find favor with you i want to find favor with god my presence will go th- with you exodus 33:14 exodus 33:17 i will do the very thing you have asked because i'm pleased with you i know you by name this is god saying to moses i know you by name moses 
And then, of course, Moses says in 33:18, he says, Show me your glory then, Lord. Show me your manifested presence. Disclose your magnificence, your splendor, your glory, your majesty. Can you, can you reveal some of that? Can you show me some of that? Your radiance, your goodness. Goodness is like a shining light into the darkness. Exodus 33 verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. This is God saying to Moses, I want to be merciful. I want to be compassionate to you. 34, 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, proclaiming his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to a thousand, love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. 34.8, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Oh Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, oh my God. (laughs) Julie loves to watch these programs on TV about, I don't know, it's on Foxtel and they go to a family that is obviously doing a, a community work and they're living in this old dingy house. They've got, you know, they've probably um, taken on 10 kids or whatever and they're all stuffed into this house. This program comes along. What's the name of the show, Jill? History, what is it? Extreme Makeover. Get this. This is in America. Only America would do this. They pull the whole community together and they say, this organization, community organization, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Park Kettle, who just absolutely love people, they've got 10 kids that are from Uganda, you know, and they just keep getting these kids in because they just want to see kids blessed out of that injustice. They have these kids stuffed into this normal house almost, but someone finds out about it, dobs them into the Extreme Makeover show. They come and they say, guess what? We want you to get out. Go on a holiday. You deserve it. You're doing such a good work. They send them off to Disneyland. In the meantime, they bulldoze the whole house in a matter of hours. (laughs) They bulldoze the whole house and then they ask the surrounding community, the builders and everyone else and and the businesses and the companies and they're saying, guess what we're going to do? We're going to give an extreme makeover to this house. I mean, to this, to this ministry or to this welfare organization or whatever, you, this good work, that's what they would call it. And literally, they bulldoze the house and they build a new house, two, three hundred square house, in a matter of one week. It's amazing what you can do when you pull together a resource like that. They literally, and they decorate every room in a personable way for every kid. Every kid has a theme and, and, uh, and, and they give them new this, new that, and then all the other companies throw the appliances and stuff and stuff and they just, and then they come back and Julie loves this show. And then of course, these are, uh, you said, pay their mortgage off. Send all the kids to, for scholarships to universities. These are African kids, all right, who are just were living in abstract poverty and, uh, and, and just being butchered by, you know, stuff. And, and now, Julie says to me, when she said this, when they gave them the house, that was one thing. Oh, my God. But when they gave them a scholarship, those young African kids, is a scholarship to the local universities to be gainfully employed in our society to make it make a way for yourself the kids fell on the floor literally they fell on the floor they they they, because because they come from poverty you got to understand this 
They come from abject poverty where where they were going to be killed any moment. But now this was like mercy, grace. This was like salvation. And I just thought of that when that scripture was quoted right there. When Moses realized, my God, compassionate, gracious, almighty God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love for thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, no matter what I do, you're just going to keep that up, Lord God? Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Where's that in our church? Where's that in our heart? Thank, oh my God, I'm bound for heaven. No matter what I do, I could do the most atrocious thing, but still you're going to love me, forgive me, and all the rest, you know, for all my days. And is that enough to fall in a heap like Moses and say, oh my God, oh my God, salvation, oh my God. That's got to be more than a scholarship to a university. That's got to be more than a brand new house, a cancelled mortgage, that deal. And I thought about this. This this thing is so, my pants keep falling down because I went on a fast. It's all right. I can't find any belts. If you have a size 34 belt, no, it's all right. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. But then it says, unfortunately, oh Lord, I have found favor in your eyes. He said then, this is in 34 verse 9, Exodus 34 verse 9. Then let the word, I'm nearly done, and let the word, he says this, then let the Lord go with us. Let your presence come with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Meaning that, oh my God, you know, if everyone could get a handle of you, God, like this. But unfortunately, it's a lot of stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. 1 Corinthians 3 eight says this, that we're blind and deaf. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. We're a spirit-filled, connect-driven church, guys. Spirit is absolutely important. Invite the Holy Spirit around your life continually. It's him that that represents Jesus continually. Invite the presence around in your life. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit? And it continues on, and it is all about the Spirit of God. Then I thought, well, what's the Spirit? Well, it's got to be like what's going to happen to us this week with with uh, Jeremy Nelson, the anointing. One of the scriptures that I leaned on and believed in as an early minister, as a young minister, was this in, in 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. So I'm not a minister. I haven't done that much Bible college. And man, gee whiz, God, what are you asking of me? But he said this to me in 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And this is your scripture. This is every single person in this house scripture. This is a promise to you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. 1 John 2, 24. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Let it remain in you, that fall down, worship of awe of your salvation. Let that remain in you. Don't let the world say, oh, that's not a big deal. You got saved, you're bound for heaven, but take it easy. Man, it's not, you know. This is salvation, man. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And if it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us, even eternal life. 1 John 2.26 I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Don't let anything lead you astray. Whatever it might be. As for you, the anointing, the anointing, the Holy Spirit you receive from Him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. 
But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, and I know it's real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. 2.28, and now dear children, continue in him. In who? In him. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Lastly, 1 John 2.29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And Jules, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just quote that next verse. I'm going to leave the rest for tonight, if you don't mind. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Man, is this, is this, is this drop down oh, awesome or, or is this God? Yeah, I guess so. Salvation, what else is there to do? tried everything else yeah alright suppose I should go to church read my bible might throw an odd prayer up who knows might even give some money to the cause maybe we'll see or is this like oh my god how lo- <laughs> how great is the love the father has lavished on us 1 John 3 1 that we should be called children of God And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Don't be be perturbed about being alienated, misunderstood, whatever. God knows your trials. God knows your journey. God knows. God knows. Man, He knows you. He knows your persecutions. He knows your stuff you're going through he knows but be of good cheer he's overcome the world he's overcome all these things man if we can come up roses in every day and continue to have that drop down worship awe of God on the inside of our hearts knowing that God knows us personally we're not just one of Oh, there's another. This is, God doesn't say, oh, there's another one saved. Yeah, come on in then. There's enough room for you. Yeah, well, who are you? Come on, come on. He knows. He, oh, man. The angels in heaven celebrate when one person gets saved. Oh, man. John Brown got saved. Hey, guys, come on. Whoa. John Brown, yeah, yeah. We were watching after him. We were praying for him. Yeah, we know his life. We know him. John Brown, come on. It's all stay. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.